Um, so let's fucking just do this thing. Let's rip it. All right. Let it yeah. rip. Remember Beyblades. Remember Beyblades with a really great catchphrase. Let it rip. Yeah. <laughs> when I was um a kid, there was a um a torched out car in my neighborhood, and me and my friend used fuck. to do Beyblades on the uh, hood of it. Man, I'm sad Beyblades never really of took of off because like the idea of customizing your top and everything like appeals oh. to me. Oh, you say Beyblades haven't took off? They're still happening today. They're still in anime. Oh, I mean, I I'm I know, but it's you know, it's not a Yu Gi Oh, it's not a Pokemon, you know, like it exists. Sure, it does numbers, but it's not you know. It wasn't a phenomenon. I mean, you, at least not where I well, was. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, over here, over here in Kentucky, they were super like for like. I remember someone crying because they got their oh, yeah? Beyblade taken away. Damn! Actually, hang Do on. Is there are there pro Beyblade matches? Let me check that real quick. Oh yeah, for sure. Championship. I'm pretty oh, sure God. there was one. There was one around in the UK a couple of years ago. Obviously, oh, I wasn't yeah. huge into the craze because, like, they're all bought for my brother, not for me. So I just kind of uh-huh. stole his. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess there are. Yeah, no, it, there's it a world sense. championship, and, like, the people in it look like they're 12, which is good. Um, I think all the other, like, children's games. When it comes to championships, it's just adults these days. But uh, that's pretty cool. And, and you may be... I mean, uh, that's pretty adults. fun to watch. I look 12. You may also say, Bakugan? More like, gone, really gone. No, it's still happening today. <laughs> like, there's still a lot of stuff that's happening. I wish Metabots was, like, a bigger thing. I would like Metabots more. I don't even know what that is. Metabots! More power! <laughs> I love that song. It's great. But... Uh, you should, uh, we should talk about <laughs> oh, this, yeah. very, right. this very, this very anime ass okay. movie. Oh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Got me down in Mississippi, where I don't want to be. Oh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Got me down in Mississippi, where I don't want to be. Welcome back. I might have taken a week off. I'm not really sure. We'll see how the editing goes, but we're back. It's me, your host, Daniel. Uh, normally two-thirds of your hosts, but today I have split slime-like uh, into one-third of your hosts. With me is... Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, there's the new third. Um, slime-like emerging from the ooze. It's Roan. Oh, hi. I, I heard slime and immediately I'm back invested. I was already like, oh, 30 seconds in, I kind of want to go now, but you mentioned slime, so I'm, I'm back in the game. I'm not used to being equal to, to, to Daniel on this, so it, it's kind of hard yes. to, to, you know, to exist right now. Uh, it's really bold of, of you to assume that either of you are equal to me. Well, okay. no, no, I just wow. said, I, I just said to, I just said to Daniel, you're obviously, you're, you're the goblin prince, so. It's true, yeah. I am. Alright, so let me revise that. Welcome back. I am one quarter of your host, Daniel, with me is uh, normally a third, but now a quarter. We have both been reduced to Jesse, and of course our new overlord, um, Slime Master Roan, a full half of your hosts here on this podcast. I will be a cruel but just leader. <laughs> oh, Speaking, oh. I haven't said what this podcast is. This is a... Uh... <laughs> Welcome to Into the Radlands. Normally an Into the Badlands rewatch podcast, but we're doing a movie today. 
Yeah. You watch podcasts. Is that yes. what you watch? Yes, we watch podcasts and then we discuss them on this podcast. Yeah. Okay, um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you don't watch podcasts. Uh, you can. Some you some me. of them are video podcasts. We could. <laughs> oh, la you know, there's actually a fairly prolific uh, McElroy rewatch podcast. It's messed up. <laughs> what? No. That's late capitalism <laughs> yeah. at its finest. Yeah, they just re- like review McElroy products and discuss how much they like the McElroys. It's weird. That's. I mean, I'm. I like the McElroys, but that's that's going a bit far. I think. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Hey, today we're going to spend an hour discussing stack soap. I, I like two thirds oh of the McElroys a lot. There's one I don't, and why I've stopped listening to their podcast. <laughs> you maybe you maybe can guess which one. Well, I mean, obviously Griffin, right? Oh, Griffin is the best boy. <laughs> he is a really good boy. He's he's the best boy. All right, but we are okay, we we are not a McElroy rewatch podcast, <laughs> so. We're we're discussing the 2002 slash 2004 film Hero, depending on if you want to go by the Chinese release or the American release. Uh, it is related to what we normally do here because this is a uh, actual wuxia film, not just inspired, but uh, dyed in blue, true wuxia film, uh, directed by Zhang Yimou, and it's uh, it's about. Cool people who fly in the sky and fight with swords, more or less. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. So I uh, pretty much only watched it today, um, because I kept putting it off because I'm an asshole. Um, and very generously, Jesse um, allowed me to use his Prime and rent it. So I guess you could say Jesse is my hero. <laughs> I could be your hero, baby. Okay. I can kiss away the pain. Okay, I'm done. Um, could could you please? Man, I probably should just ask Jesse for what? Uh, sorry. Uh, I had to pay four dollars on YouTube to rent this because it turns out Netflix took it off between the time we decided to do this and the time we did it. No, it was like (laughs) it was on there a couple months ago. Like, which yeah. is why we tri- No, it had been on there for, like, years. <laughs> like, I've watched it multiple times on Netflix. Yeah. And, like, it, it then yeah. decided no one else used it. Like, nowhere else except for renting has it. And that's weird, because you, yeah. you can stream so many movies on so many things. Right. Yeah. I was able to find Troll yeah. in Central Park on Stars. <laughs> like, who knows about that movie? No one. I was oh, able to boy, find it, but yeah. whatever. Good thing Kung Fu Hustle is on there. Yeah. I say as check-in right. to see if Kung Fu Hustle is still on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw it up there. Yeah. But but yeah, okay. so we all had to spend money on this, so you guys better listen to this. Yeah, I appreciate this, please. Yeah, I'm pissed off that I had to spend money on anything. I have did- money spent on me, okay? Yeah. I don't spend money. Wait, uh, did, did you not... Uh, get that uh, reimbursed. I thought we we had that going through procurement. Um. Yeah. No. Apparently, it's still in the works right now. But you know what? Oh, you yeah, know you what know. business is like, everybody. Yeah, the rent, economy. Rent does, 
Brenda's a little slow about that. But yeah, you should be able to get that expensed out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, just let him know that I will be contacting my union. Yeah. Keep keep your receipts, is, is what I'll say. Oh, Kung Fu Hustle's oh, yeah, still yeah, on yeah, there, so... Oh, good. Okay. We say before it gets taken off. Yeah. Yeah, we will see if it's still there in... 12 weeks or however many episodes are in season two of Into the Badlands. Yeah. Anyway, we should get started uh, for real this time. Let's just jump into this movie. Uh, so this is Hero. It's um, about the uh, era of the like feudal China with the six kingdoms. And one of them, the Chin, has a, you know, powerful king. Everyone's trying to assassinate. They just want to get rid of this goddamn king. I wonder why. And so he lives, yeah, uh, he lives like a super paranoid life where, you know, he's all alone in his big castle and there's no furniture or anything. No one's allowed to approach him so that not, he doesn't Not even he doesn't any ever... sexy green drapes. No, Tragic. not even, not even that, yeah, uh... He always wears his armor, it's, you know, all of that. And then this nameless guy is going to show up claiming he's killed uh, the three most infamous assassins from the Zhao province, or Zhao kingdom, that have been trying to kill him. And so, this is kind of the story of how he did that, or maybe didn't do that. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the one thing that I really like about this uh, movie is that it's like 99% flashback. Yeah. It's, like, you pretty much, it like, you know, a lot of people say start as close to the middle as you can, but, like, it started at the, mm -hmm. pretty much the ending. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm actually not, like, an expert in Musha, but, uh, I think that might be, like, a genre thing also. I think they deal a lot with the flashbacks, because I remember Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon also was, like, very heavy in flashbacks. Well, I guess it's kind of like, because it's telling a story, so mm -hmm. a lot of stories do deal with, like, you are basically telling a flashback in a story, so I guess yeah. they're, they're just trying to, like, um, present that in, like, a visual fashion, which I think is, like, really cool, and I really do wish um, Western cinema did that more often. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of uh, basically telling a story, to jump off that, yeah, I, I felt when I was watching this that it has a very, like, folklore feel mm. to it the way like everything's presented absolutely yeah it kind of feels like it's like dreamy and surreal and stuff mm -hmm. like especially when um i mean I, I will definitely talk about like color theory in cinematography more often because like that's my shit i absolutely right. love the color in this film it, oh my God, but it's so kind good. of like you know reality and fiction kind of was presented in different ways and it was like the same story was told but it was completely different each time. Mm -hmm. It was just really, really interesting. Uh, I, also, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit... Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I just... One of the things that I do really like about this is it's very dreamlike, and for a movie that is a mm. martial arts movie, it's very relaxing. Mm. Like, there's very little, like... Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Like, all the violence yeah. is done in such a way that it's very dreamlike i think you see two drops of blood in the entire movie yeah yeah i was gonna mention um, that yeah blood's used yeah. very sparingly like it, yeah so it's like it's very very effective in that way and it's just it's very it's and and it's it's what like three stories and then you have a story within a flashback like just yeah. kind of in a row 
like punctuated by yeah. so it's like red for nameless's story um blue for the king's story and white for the true story and then green yeah. for the broken sword and then green story for the yeah, yeah. Uh, which to mention the three assassins are uh called sky flying snow falling snow flying snow flying falling snow flying snow Flying Snow, I think, and then Broken Sword. They're three famous, uh, they call them assassins, but warriors, basically, from, uh, Zhao. And so, uh, he's got all their weapons, and he's claimed he's killed them all, so he's getting to go see the king right now. Yeah. So. Um, all is not as it seems. So. Yeah. So, yeah, so we basically kind of start, we basically start out like nameless. Uh, he shows up. He is a hundred paces away from the, from the king. And yeah, he, uh, and he is given this honor because he killed Sky. Um, and he has this, yeah. th- these ridiculously ornate boxes that just seem to be come out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but like it has like the spearhead, like it's brought to the king, and he's just like, "Hey, you may come within a hundred paces of me." And then it's like, I forget the amount, but no, it's um, it no, needs no, to be a minimum of a hundred paces, minimum, and yeah. then he allows him to come closer when he does. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, yeah. The the reward for for example, the uh, killing sky is that you get like a thousand pieces of gold and command of like a thousand houses or something, and then you can advance. Ten paces or whatever closer to the emperor and have or not the emperor the king and have a drink, and so he starts at the very back of this huge uh, like palatial hall, and he just slowly moves forward uh, with with each story, which is a very cool like visual uh, representation of him moving forward that I like. Mm. What do you think he um he served him like drink wise? Um, probably like a. A uh, rice-based alcohol of some sort. I was gonna say like a rice wine, so, wine, because that's probably would have been what they. Yeah. That would have probably been the most common ingredient grain they had to make uh, alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So. So definitely not like a fruit or anything. Like a yogurt drink. Oh. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, if I had to guess, probably not. I mean, I'm pretty not sure I saw them open up one of those tiny little yogurt drink things with the little uh that you get at like the. uh in the Mexican like section. a yakko. Yeah, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you got one, you know, it was pink, because, you know, they, they, you know, they chowed down. It was pretty good. I, I agree with them. I used to have those all the time when I was younger. Like, have we got any lassie for nameless? No? Oh, okay. Just give me a yakko or something. Fuck it, we don't have time for this. What do you mean the shop's closed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go for a lassie, actually. Mango lassie. Yeah, um... Anyway, carry yeah, on. Yeah, but we, uh, so, we, we go into the first flashback, kind of, uh, after the king asked, like, how did you, you know, how did you kill Sky? Yeah. He was supposed to, you know, be, like, one of the best assassins ever. You're, you're yeah. from a local prefect, which he's a, he's a local prefect who was brought in as an orphan to, is it Xing? Yeah. Not Xing, uh, uh, I can Ching. Ching, yeah. So Ching, yeah. when he was when he was a child, and uh, and he was raised by some farmers, and he became a prefect, yeah. which is basically like a low-ranking government official. Yeah, he says it means he's in charge of like ten blocks or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um. 
Very helpful for them to define that. <laughs> it, it was very, it was very helpful because I, yeah. I don't know. When I hear prefect, I Again, think of Harry Potter, and then I yeah, think of, and then right. I think of insufferable people on the internet. So. Yeah, um, again, I'm pretty sure this was, this film was made, like, with intent to be an international release. Um, I'm pretty sure that, like, normally historical films like this wouldn't have bothered to tell you because they assume you would have known what that means. Well, it definitely, it was one of the movies oh. that introduced me to Chinese cinema. So, like, I would yeah. not, it's mm -hmm. very accessible. Um, they. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's designed that way for yeah. sure. But, but yeah, he goes into yeah, the, um, they, yeah, they go into the first, uh, flashback, which is color, which is, yeah. has the same color coding as. Yeah, color neutral. It's color neutral. Well, cause this is a true story. Like, yeah, like, yeah. they don't ever revisit this flashback. Yeah, this is, this is a true, like, um, so you can tell by the color coding, but like, who's talking and everything, who's telling the story. Yeah. And the gray, and like the gray neutral stuff, that seems to be real. Like, that that one yeah. like yep. it's history cut blank i mean cut right there you don't have to tell anything about it yeah. again that's that's the so. one thing that we can't debate is kind of like whether it's true or not the only thing that we find out to um suggest that it is like it has been like um there's something going on in the background is stuff we find out after yeah. so the you know we how it is presented is how it happened but we then find out uh, through context that he, you know, uh, Sky didn't die, Sky was in on it, but yeah, the way that it happened is the way that it happened. Yeah. Um, and I guess like you were going to talk about from going from the neutral to the red. Well, well, I want to kind of discuss like or, what happened in the flashback first because yeah, it's yeah. kind yeah, of sure, representative sure. of just how beautiful this movie is, just in yeah. general. Like mm. even with like the more gray and everything, it's just everything is like yeah. like color wise is so meticulous and and yeah. done in such a deliberate way that just makes everything beautiful. Um because first you get this fight because you had like the sheriff and his like his and his we have like the guard. guard you have the guard seven of the yeah. guard the elite guard basically and Sky yeah. is playing it looks like Go is that correct or is it something different? Um, it Checkers. for intents and purposes is close enough. I don't think it's technically Go because this is China. I think there's a variant uh, out there, but I'm pretty He's... sure they. Um, in the actual, like, they were literally just saying, yeah, he was playing checkers. Um, and the way that it was being played, um, long story short, I was in, like, a chess club when I was in school. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, of course so you were. I, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> okay, first of all, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> what I mean, there, is there is actually mean? a Chinese chess, but it doesn't look like that. They yeah. have uh, different shaped pieces. Yeah, the main reason why I say go is because they're they're doing like this. Um, the white and black stones, white yeah, black stones, yeah. and like they do it in such a. It's so fancy because it's like it's all underwater. It looks like it's probably because yeah. it's raining, and they're in like this like yeah, kind raining. of public yeah. place, and like yeah, it just a, scoops a up the loves stone. Rain. <laughs> Oh, well, I could tell you why in just a few moments, cause like, cause yeah. like, after, after he beats the guards, and like, he doesn't even like kill them or anything, he just embarrasses them. No. Like, at one point he just- Yeah, he doesn't, uh, his, his spear is, has, has like a covering on the tip, uh, it's sheathed for all intents and purposes, and he doesn't unsheath it for the guards. Yeah, like, it, he bends- I guess cause they're not like- He bends some of their swords, like where they're just out of place. Yeah. 
like with it. And I just love it because they're just standing there just like, uh, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I don't yeah, know what to my do. My sword's broken now. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And also, these um, are not so, like the European style swords where like they're they're supposed to be like super heavy and just like a chunk of metal. No, they're flexible. Like, they bend. They, yeah. That's that's kind of that definitely threw me a bit because I forgot that like um, only Western swords are like re- like really reinforced. So when yeah. it was like bent, I was like, oh my god, what the hell's going on? Yeah. I think, like, it sounds silly, but that's, I think that's what really kind of got me invested, because I was like, I need to know more about these swords. <laughs> I didn't know more about the I didn't find out anything else about the swords, but I think that's really what carried me through the rest of the movie. And now yeah. I need to do more sword research after this. Uh, the long story short is I think Europe just has a lot more iron than other places, and so they built thicker armor, which in turn meant they needed thicker weapons. Everywhere else was like... Not that deep. <laughs> yeah, like, like the Europeans were just like, hey, why don't we just sharpen a big piece of metal and swing it at people? Yeah. And it turns well, out they had, through- they had, like, yeah. It's because they yeah. had enough iron around to make, like, plate mail and chain mail and shit. Everyone else was, like, well, lacquered wood or bamboo or whatever. And I think. Well, the, um, the Iron Age did originate in, like, Western Europe. So th- that kind of makes a lot of and sense. And I think, um, yeah. also if you. Uh, also geography based as well. Um, like, uh, Japan, I mean, which is, you know, you know, not that far away. Yeah. Like the islands actually had a lot of, uh, a lot of metal that you can, I mean, it took a lot of time to extract and everything, but that's the reason why they were able to yeah. make like katanas the way they were able to cut through a body, which is a, which is the, which is the only way a katana could be like graded as a katana is if it could cut through a, cor- uh, like a carcass. So yeah, again, because iron was more difficult to obtain, and so like when you made a sword, you wanted to make a really good sword. Yeah, because uh, there's not that much iron to go around. Like like their swords, like but. their swords, uh, the reminded me of like those uh, metal um, metal rulers that you'd have that you just shake around, and yeah. that would hurt if you hit people with. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, but they sorry, they've been sparring this whole time, and then they took a break to stare dramatically at each other, doing that thing where, uh, you know, two warriors envision what the battle would be like, because they're so skilled, they can't make the first move. Um, they're doing that thing, and it's, they're playing it out in a black and white kind of imagination sphere, as an old blind dude plays, a uh, Guchin. Yeah, and uh, it's, yeah, and it was, which, it, and I loved it, because yeah. it was just like, they, because like, they're just like, okay, so, Nameless is gonna fight this dude, and, and Nameless is just like, yo, old dude, drop us a beat. <laughs> like, right when they're, basically, <laughs> and, yeah, it's, like, one of the reasons why I think it's so calming is because, like, even when there isn't music, it's very, it's very muted. Oh, that water effect's not great, though. Oh, huh? no, that water effect. No, one <laughs> that of the things that like, did not age. So, so one of the things because they had to do early CG because this came out in two thousand six. Yeah. Now, while it is shot gorgeously, majority of the time, they try to do some, you know, they try to do some wushu stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and one of the things, a sky, you know, like he basically the old man, like is playing like as hard as he can and just breaks all the strings, and that's just like, yo, we're gonna fight now. And what happens is, like, he he swings around, like, the little, like, I don't know, charm thing he had on it, and, like, it had... Yeah, he's got a tassel at the tip of it, and uh, it's soaked in rain, so it creates this big vortex of water when he swings his spear around. Yeah, and and, um, Nameless is, like, and it's, like, I... I, It reminded me of Naruto, kind of. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, Nameless is just running and like, it's like the water drops are like still and they hit his face and it's just yeah. like, it's so silly. It doesn't if you good. just yeah. showed that. I, I, I believe we were talking about that before, um, we started the um, recording. Um, I was talking about how kind of goofy the whole kind of wire works are. Um, yeah. And I was going to mention, like, um, in this part, I didn't think about this part, but definitely in another part, almost at the end, it looks like he's kind of just on, on a skateboard being pushed yeah. really slowly. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of... He's very level the way he... Yeah. They'll, they'll try to do these, like, shots of them, like, lunging forward gracefully in slow motion or whatever, with, like, a close-up on their face but they're not actually moving fast and slowing it down. They're just moving at speed and they're making it look like slow motion. So like their hair is not flying backwards. Their headbands aren't moving. So they just look like they're moving forward very slowly. <laughs> it is very, very funny. And it, it does not age well. Yeah. No. Like that's the, that's the one thing it gets because when they're actually doing like the, like the choreography for the fights and stuff, it looks really great. Yeah. As soon as they try to oh, do yeah. any of like the lunging stuff, it's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. This did not age well at all. Please stop. Please. Yeah, a lot of this movie feels very poetic while watching it. It feels like I'm watching mm-hmm. poetry. Yes, it, it's. But uh, we're we're into the red flashback now. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, he gets, boy, color theory. Yeah, he gets to advance. He gets to advance up to within ten feet. I mean, ten paces. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, at that point, he gets like ten thousand gold and like fifty thousand house authority over fifty thousand houses. Something like that. Yeah. Ten thousand gold and one thousand houses. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, wait, one. Th- wait. No, it was a I magnitude early. It was. It was a lot more. It was a lot more, and yeah. he got to take yeah. a drink. Of, I'm gonna assume rice wine because I feel like yeah. they would just say tea if it was Yakult. like tea. Um, so yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. So in in this flashback, he says that he has uh, tracked down Broken Sword and uh, Flying Snow, who are lovers, um, at this calligraphy house that the Chin Army is uh, approaching to attack. And he's in order to like study Broken Sword. He has disguised who he is and is requesting a piece of calligraphy be commissioned through Broken Sword, so they can see Broken Sword's calligraphy. No. Because oh, go ahead. Now, I think it's really very interesting, the fact that they're in a calligraphy house, and the way that especially um, Flying Snow fights is very kind of fluid, um, with mm-hmm. her, you know, very long, like, flowing dress, which was Sleeves, tr- yeah. traditional at that time, um, and, like, the excessively long um, sleeves, and when she moves, it's very, like, painterly. Um, I almost feel like it's like when you drop a some ink in like a vat of water and the way it kind of blooms out i just think it's so artistic and so like absolutely gorgeous and it just it was entrancing like even for like five minutes after the first fight scene in which she's kind of batting the arrows away happened i was just kind of looking at every single movement of that fabric i just think the costume designer the costuming in that is absolutely it just absolutely fantastic it's probably the best like costuming and like fabric work that i've ever seen in a movie and that's saying a lot because i really do pay attention to costuming in movies mm. yeah one of the one carry on so one of the things is like when we say red we're not talking about like we're not talking about just like a normal red it's like a crimson like a deep like mm. yeah it's a very deep red and it permeates everything because when so because basically like the uh the chin 
army. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad about romanizing Chinese yeah, stuff. Chin's close Chin. enough, yeah. Yeah. But uh so there so there's yeah, there's a clicker free house and you have uh, you have a uh, flying snow, broken sword, moon, who is broken sword's apprentice. Or mm-hmm. master, well, I guess apprentice would be the right apprentice, word. Apprentice, yeah. And then you have a nameless. And when this attack starts, it leads, it, it's basically the Quinn army, or not Quinn, see, blah, 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 blah. The Chin army. Yeah. They had these, like, really cool, like, crossbow things that you have to be on your back to do. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, they, they, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But, like, they shoot these, like, huge arrows, and, like, they're just, bla- it's raining them. And, yeah, it's, mm. if you've seen 300, the Reign of Arrow is a very similar effect. And, it's kind of like, I, I it may well be in uh, 300. I can't remember. It's, it's like in a Greek myth, but like there's so many arrows that I blotted out the sun. Yeah, that was and 300. And that's really kind of what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, Although it's just this movie came out before 300, so, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. It was just these, I haven't watched that movie either. Yeah, it was just these no, waves and waves of, like, these, like, really big, like, black arrows just kind of piercing everything. Mm-hmm. And when this starts, um, the master of the calligraphy house, like, stops everyone from running away and being like, Yo, I didn't tell you can leave, basically. And, like, you have to... And, yeah, like, he... He he it has this very poetic thing about like how they can come and they can kill us, but words last forever or whatever. And I'll okay, show okay. you the true meaning of calligraphy. So so okay, so I would I do have a, a problem with what he said because he said written word cannot be taken. Yeah, I, I'm going to point well, about to the out to, to the. I'm going to going to say first off they're writing in sand because that's how they practice calligraphy, but second yeah. off, let, I'm going to point about to the Library of Alexandria being burnt down. We yeah. lost so much knowledge because it was just written language. <laughs> Actually, apparently we didn't lose that much knowledge. There were a lot of other libraries that had the same stuff. It's oh, mostly, but still, uh, like... But, like, written knowledge... Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, though, out. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. yeah, I had problems with that. But, like, so basically it's just this, this really poetic scene. It's just great. Where, like, yeah. all of these, like, arrows are coming through and they're, like, ignoring them and just... I do not know anything about, like mandarin or anything like that so don't know what they're writing character wise i don't even yeah. know if they'd be using mandarin at that it. time it'd probably be some other thing uh they actually uh would not that that's actually a point he mentions when he says because uh uh the king asks him why he chose sword and aimless says there's 19 ways to write sword um yeah the, so that's the king's like that's, that's point, fucking actually. dumb when i'm in charge we're gonna the- Make it all one, so that would have been have the unification. Have one way to write everything. Yeah, that would have yeah, been so yeah, the unification been, of writing. This, yeah. this, I, well, it would have been the first way of kind of like him being like, "Hang on, there's something not right about this." Yeah. Uh, well, also there also, was. Uh, we have, I think, I think like one of the only jokes in here, in the movie, where like. Uh, where Broken Sword is doing calligraphy while being shot oh, at everything. Right. <laughs> and like his, and the stick that he's using to write in the sand, it gets shot by an arrow and he just catches an arrow, breaks it, and then goes ahead and continues. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, improvise, think, adapt, overcome. Yeah. I feel like that's the only like joke in this movie. You might be right. But, um, to backtrack briefly, um, there's a very uh they they tie calligraphy to to sword fighting like very strongly it's i mean it's not even subtext it's text in this movie and um that kind of 
breaks down into uh, the kind of like I think con- I think Confucian. Maybe I'm not an expert in like ancient China either, but there's there's definitely a philosophy of where like martial prowess is an art form, much like calligraphy or music. Um, previously yeah, they cool, mentioned, isn't it? yeah, previously they mentioned uh, so, uh, sky. Sorry, like loved music. It's, it's it's the idea of the like scholar warrior uh, or the poet warrior is like very strong in especially ancient China. Um, um Sun Tzu. Yeah, Sun Tzu wrote The Art of War, and, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, that's why Nameless is like, I can study his technique through his calligraphy because to, in, in this kind of philosophy, it's kind of one of the same. It comes from the same source of like artistic drive. Yeah, it's, and this is a, and like this scene is just so great, uh, because like there's a lot of layers going on as well, because like basically mm-hmm. the, which it feels like, Pointless, but Nameless and Flying Snow are just, they're just, like, basically, like, dance fighting the arrows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sounds, which makes, which sounds, like, derogative or not fun when I say dance fighting, but they're basically just, like, yeah. batting away a lot of the arrows by, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and as... Well, it's kind of like, um, as I said earlier, like... Um, the way that especially Flying Snow moved is very graceful and yeah. choreographed and it almost doesn't seem like fighting because it seems yeah. so effortless but that kind of really just represents how strong she is yeah again Wuxia uh, draws a lot of inspiration from Chinese opera which is you know the combination of music acting and dance slash fighting so like yeah the idea that it's very graceful that it's very dance dance like is intentional and definitely comes from um the tradition they're drawing from here yeah it's also they're intercutting it with a broken sword doing his final calligraphy piece on an eight foot scroll with a giant like person-sized brush um and and just kind of juxtaposing go ahead oh and of course uh it's in a really deep red of course yeah (laughs) Blood red, one might say. Some, mm, some mm. might say that. Ooh, yeah. Some might. It's yeah. It's like like kind of like I guess. Um, sorry, you go on. Oh, uh, it's. I think this is a longish flashback. Is that correct? Mm. I think this is a longish flashback. I don't know. It's yeah. but but it's it's the first one, and this is all nameless saying stuff. And like he and like his contribution in this part anyway, uh, of during this part of the uh, battle, I guess, quote unquote battle, is well, what am I trying to say? Uh, like he's batting stuff away, but afterwards, after afterwards, um, broken sword and sky are. Or like kind of walking around. Well, no, it's Moon and Broken Sword. Sorry, Moon and Broken Sword. And it's get revealed that like Broken Sword is having an affair with his apprentice. And a very uh, like, so did I miss something? Uh, so the the background here is that Broken Sword and Flying Snow are lovers, oh. but Nameless is claiming that at one point, uh, Sky and Flying Snow spent a night together as lovers, and so there's uh, a romantic tension between Broken Sword and uh, Flying Snow currently, and that's why he sleeps with Moon, is kind of as a revenge thing. And it's like a, and it's like the least horny, like, 
like sex thing. Oh yeah, it's very artsy. It's very yeah. artsy because basically, like you have you have them like kind of staring at each other very deeply, and then like you just have like like it just kind of cuts to a broken sword's face, and you hear like fabric like fasteners uh, tearing, and then it cuts to them underneath. Like it looks like of red like a red silk yeah like a huge satin satin sheet it's mm. and you can just see that the outline of their body moving it's pretty cool it, it's 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 very mm. not horny which is i'm not used yeah. to that so many things are horny nowadays <laughs> i mean in my good christian neighborhood i really do appreciate when things are less horny also i would argue that that's more of a fuchsia satin rather than a red okay. satin well all right okay i'm just saying <laughs> listen okay I'm, hey hey hey, Rode, I have, hey Rode. i have a diploma and a degree in fine art i think i fucking know what colors right road road this is what you sound like oh i think yeah. that's i think that's more of a fuchsia that's what you sound like oh this is what you sound like i can't tell the difference between red and fuchsia Buffoon. Is it fuchsia the made-up color? Or am I thinking magenta? Magenta is the fake color. No, no, yeah, magenta is the fake color that we have to make up because we're not pis- pistol sw- shrimps that can see everything. Well, speak for yourself. Well, <laughs> uh, well you heard it here. Road is a pin- uh, is a shrimp. Uh, 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 it's like a, a, uh, uh, a six-inch-long shrimp. Yeah, there we go. Here's the short joke. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Whatever will you come up with next? Hey, you know, know. what? Uh, I'm a manly. I'm allowed to make those jokes. I'm, I'm reclaiming I'm, my identity. I'm allowed to make short jokes as too because I'm also a manly. As a shrimp? <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, short as uh, short as our words, and we could call each other that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad Stupid. word, everybody. Yeah, it's not a bad word. Okay, so um. So yeah, you get the and you get the I think a really really great death scene because like basically right after because Flying Snow is she's like being a perv and peeking into his room and she just sees this like r- riling mass of of flesh under the, under that <laughs> fuchsia and fuchsia yeah. fabric. fabric yeah fuchsia so, there we go yeah fuchsia <laughs> so so uh. After the stopping all the arrows, Nameless has asked both of them to meet him in the library to show them something, and he shows them uh, Sky's spear and says he's defeated him. Um, if you want, you know, if your duty compels you to have revenge, come duel me at the chain encampment tomorrow or whatever. And then uh, Broken Sword sees, or uh, you know, like Flying Snow goes off to her room, and Broken Sword comes back after her and sees her pull out like a broken piece from the spear that she had kept. Um, as like a memento, and now he's like filled with jealousy, so he's gonna have revenge sex with Moon in that beautiful fuchsia satin sheet that we've previously discussed. Fuchsia satin sheet, yes. Yeah, and uh, before before uh, they head before Flying Snow heads off for the duel, um, like the night before. Oh, I think there were sixty nine in, in there. I think actually, I think Sorry. they might be, but uh, but before I think I saw two elbows on two different ends. But go ahead. But I mean. I mean, you t- made a really not horny sex scene into a little bit hornier. Sorry, <laughs> uh, you had to slow it down to like fi- to like fifty percent speed so it could analyze all their parts. Enhance, enhance. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, after you, we get this sex scene and flying snow, like kind of sees uh sees what's going on. You have uh broken. You have them talking to each other through through like a 
through like a door or wall or something like that. And um, at the end of the conversation, Flying Snow just like shoves her sword through the through the wall and into Broken Sword, and he kind of just like kind of yeah. just clumps over, and you don't see any blood because they're in a crimson red. Everything. Yeah, uh, you do. It pulls down his ankle. Oh that's yeah, one that's of right. the two times that yeah. there's blood. Up. Oh, yep. Sorry. Yeah. Interestingly, both in the red scenes. Yes. Mm, yeah. It, blood only appears in the red scenes, which I think is really interesting um and then um you have and then like nameless is kind of i don't know kind of an asshole about this but it's just like it was because she was so distraught i was able to beat her i was just yeah. like and um very convenient and he does his he does his move that he does that <laughs> looks like he's on a skateboard to ruin running yep. <laughs> the sword out <laughs> Yeah, uh, where like he's st- where he does where he does like the stab. <laughs> Jet Li's pro skater too. <laughs> <laughs> but but like he but he does a thing that I love like in in most animes and everything. Like they he does like his final move and then he just immediately like sheaves his sword and then and then like they fall over. I love that. It's great. It's a great thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, I also I'd like I to- find it really. Now carry on. No, I'd also like to kind of talk about um about the uh, nameless sword as well, because the only people who have like different types of like swords are the well, the three people, the the two assassin, well, the three two assassins, uh, bro- yeah. um, broken sword and flying moon and nameless. They have different swords, and they're like a little bit more ornate. Um. Nameless has a sword that it seems to have, it seems to be built in a little bit more in the middle. And it has like a, it just has a, like a slot, that empty slot, um, towards the end. Oh yeah, that was fun. And yeah. he uses it to really fun effect in later fight scenes. Um, and he has this, and he has this sheaf, which is, which sheaths are normally like a, like a wood with like a lacquer over it and everything. His is yeah. just like a, like, it looks like almost like an untreated piece of wood shaped into mm-hmm. like a sheath like it looks really cool and i like it a lot and i'd like to see someone make that mm. well y- yours is the power well i mean i should ask one of those uh one of those youtube people who make oh, swords I love, right yeah i love this scene she's uh <laughs> i think these are ginkgo trees uh, that he got like bright golden leaves and is just covering the floor and falling down like snow. Oh. Uh, with her flowing red robe, it's like I think the prettiest oh, shot in the movie. It is. Yeah, I think so that's probably good. my favorite scene in the movie. It's just so like overwhelmingly gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. and it's yeah. just like you really get like such concentrated kind of emotion in it. Yeah. There's like the real sorrow and rage and yeah. stuff, and it's yeah, just so, so, in uh, like what is probably a five minute scene. You really get an overarching right. theme of like the two individual characters and like their relationship towards Broken Sword. Even if it, it wasn't factual, you really do get like yeah. a good impression of it. Like the intent, how did their regular feelings towards Broken Sword would be if they were like pushed right up to the limit? Yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, the scene where uh, Moon is confronting Flying Snow because she's distraught at the death of her master. She's trying to fight Moon. And Moon's... Or not, sorry. Flying Snow is like, uh, not engaging. And a lot of these scenes, it kind of looks like she's on a casual walk, except for she's flying through the trees. 
It's fun. <laughs> I like it. Well, uh, well, um, the, the fun thing about this fight is you get a little a, more of the supernatural stuff, which also reminds me so yeah. much of Naruto uh, for some reason. But but like you, but they have like this. Uh, so after like kind of discussing, you know, discussing basically broken sword, uh, because this is not a this is not does not pass the Bechdel test uh, at all. No. <laughs> um, but you have you have them kind of talking and then. And then Moon goes and attacks her with like her. It looks like she has scimitars almost. Uh, yeah, small ones. And very yeah. very cool, like sickles. Yeah. Um, and she goes to attack. She goes to attack, and then like it just pops off on like a real, really beautiful scene. Just be yeah. uh, because like, like each like, it's almost like they're commanding the win itself. Yeah. Like, uh, flying snow's strikes are like so strong that it's whipping up the leaves. And like actually physically blowing Moon back, and like there's there's this like one really awesome awesome part where where it's just like it while well, Flag Snow basically she she like does like a low swing and like it just it just like sends like a torrent of like uh leaves at uh Moon's chest. She kind of flies back, and mm. it's just it's so gorgeous. One thing I really do like, actually, is um, when um, Flying Snow delivers that like um, final blow to Moon, and she's kind of collapsed against that tree trunk, and she falls. Um, uh, like as she dies, the um, the leaves take on like a redder. Oh a, yeah! Like yeah. they go from like the golden to like a really deep red and it's almost like she's encompassed within the landscape then and she's kind of she's as her life fades away she too as a body is fading away into the into the landscape into nature and uh whether or not that was what they were intending i just feel like it was just so interesting visually you like Mm -hmm. really do lose her in um the that like in in nature and um she kind of get finally succumbs to her like rage and her ideals um in death i just think that's really really cool um just the kind of the entire concept of um i didn't want to mention this but um the red the this red scene this whole kind of red arc is kind of um so embroiled in rage and kind of yeah, I had written uh, down passion. Sin- yeah, and, and passion, yeah. And kind of the way, not only the, the red itself, but also kind of how they're presented. Um, like, hair is kind of all loose and everywhere. And the way that they're dressed is much more relaxed than in later scenes. It kind of does show, like, uh, passion and the messiness of not only how they look, but their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause, yeah, cause, uh, the yeah. more neutral the colors get, like, they kind of cool down, I guess, and yeah. throughout, the more neutral it gets, the more you get more of the philosophical reasons while they're trying to kill, kill the king and everything. Yeah. And it just, cause, like, the final one is, is white. There's a white flashback. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, basically, the talking about broken sword. And it's just, it's really, mm. it's just, Basically, the the movie cools down as passions subside. Basically, 
Mm. And it's it's really interesting the way they do that. Mm. Uh, so here we have essentially the, the the midpoint turn where the emperor or the king calls him out and says, "I've met these people. They aren't petty, passionate people like you're describing. They're honorable, strong they warriors. Yeah, yeah. There's no way they would have done what you've said, which means that you're lying to me. And this is what I think actually happened. And then we're gonna go into a, the blue flashbacks. Yeah." And this also just gorgeous. Again, like, uh, like if mm. you take one way thing away from this movie, the cinematography and just the way they do yeah, the, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And if you can ignore the Naruto running and the, <laughs> the, the skateboarding <laughs> slowly. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason it reminds you of Naruto is because they're pulling from similar cultural wells, uh, where there's a belief that you can master a martial form to a degree where your own inner energy, chakra, Naruto, chi, and Chinese philosophy, and Dragon Ball, uh, <laughs> you can manipulate both the energies within yourself and the energies in the world around you, which allow you to do these supernatural feats, like running on water and flying through the air and, you know, standing on walls, skateboarding, doing sick ollies. It's all the same source. <laughs> Popping a sick wheelie in ancient yeah. China. Uh, I'm surprised that hasn't been done. The RZA was it doing the um, was it doing the soundtrack? This <laughs> shape like shape but it's okay. No, listen though. I was just talking uh, last month, but they should make a live action Samurai Shampoo because you know how fucking sick. Oh my god, that would be. I just like they better get someone who's like really freaking hot for uh, for Mugen because that was like <laughs> one of the first like one of the first people I really like right after I, I realized I liked Gerard Wade then I was just like I think I'm into Mugen it's just like just just yeah. make someone really hot play Mugen I yeah, also have not watched Samurai Champloo Ooh, it's really good Either uh, Shamrock Samplu or Afro Samurai, either one would make like a billion dollars. I swear to God, someone get on this. Oh, someone does. So. And also, like, the soundtrack would be disgusting because you know, like, every major rapper is a secretly a huge fucking nerd and would want to be on that track. Every rapper is a weeb. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> the only people who. The, the long only and. <laughs> No, the, oh, the only people who were af who weren't afraid to be called out as weebs were the Wu Tang Clan, and everyone followed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, there is there is a long and interconnected history between Black America and Asian media. Uh, but here we're in the blue scene, and uh, he's saying when you met them in the library, it wasn't to show them spears or sky spear, but to show them your secret technique you spent ten years learning that. Will be able to assassinate someone at ten paces. Is, is there a and you basically just ruin their library by cutting down all the walls? Yeah, or those are scrolls, but they're stacked, and he cuts like all the cords that's tying them together, so they all I collapse in a very so, dramatic fashion. I would be so pissed if somebody did that to my. Yeah, library. if I were the librarian, I'd be like real fucking mad. I'm like, I just sorted those. Well, also, hey man, hey guy, dude. <laughs> also, is is uh, the number either alphabetically coded? Is the number 10, like, culturally significant in China? 
Or Chinese culture? Not to my knowledge, no. Because there's a lot of, like, no, tens four and going on. But... but there's a lot of just, like, ten within ten paces. Like, like it's just symbolically, it seems to be used mm. a lot in this movie. Like, things are, like, ten being a thing. I don't know, maybe it was just, uh, you know, a nice Let's thing. see. I just tried to look it up. It looks like it's just, uh... Uh, ten is rarely used in Chinese culture to symbolize anything because ten is considered a, quote, full number. Chinese culture values moderation, meaning too much can be just as bad as not enough. We believe in a cycle of life. Whatever goes up will go down. If it reaches peak, you will only decline. Number ten is a peak number, so reaching ten is not a good thing. It is the best you can get in the beginning of your downfall. Huh. Oh, so uh, I think it does, fits. No, it fits symbolically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's interesting, actually. Yeah, and... And of course, like everything is just this shock of like really, really like gorgeous light blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just across. It's like a kind of like almost aquamarine, I would say. No, well. Would you say that wrong? Would you? Almost aquamarine. No, I wouldn't. In fact, I would not say that. Um, I was thinking aqua because aqua's a f- like the closer blue, but I was like, ha, huh, marine. Because I'm a buffoon and a bastard idiot. Um, so <laughs> and also a I hereby apologise for making fun of you for saying red. <laughs> so. But I will not repeat that apology because I don't want you to uh, feel like it's going to be a regular thing, me apologising. Uh, see, I, norm- I normally just uh, repeat the insults until you get flustered, so. I'll kill you. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just like really light blue and it's kind of, this is a calmer one because it's, it's not as, it, this is basically the, uh, not the emperor. Well, he will become emperor, but the king is laying out a, laying out that this was like deeply planned. His version of events. Like this version of events was deeply planned. It's like intellectual, I would say. It seemed like where the red one was passion, um, the blue one seemed more intellect-based. Uh, I, I wrote down sorrow for the blue one. Yeah, there is a lot it's of a sense. Very sorrowful oh, well, I mean, tale. Agree to disagree. <laughs> so, like, what's happening here is uh, they've both signed on to Nameless's plan, but only one of them uh, is going to go to the duel and when they get there they're gonna die because that's how you sell it right so they're trying Mm. to decide who's gonna do that and they both love each other very much and don't want that the other one to be the one who dies so they're walking on their way and nameless begins to draw his sword and flying snow gets the drop on him and actually stabs him first and so now he's injured and he can't go fight and so she's like this is me i'm gonna go do it because you have to live and, you know, of course, the very sorrowful, you know, how can I live without you? It's not living, da-da-da-da-da. But it's a sad scene. It is very, like, um, focused on their relationship, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see what you mean by sorrow. Um, but let me just counterpoint. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, it's actually It awkward. seems very kind of like... I'm going <laughs> to hang up. <laughs> and then I'm going to walk right across the Atlantic Ocean and just beat your shit, okay? Anyway, um, it seems like very like strategy heavy, 
I feel, especially mm. when they're discussing it within the um within the library, because it's kind of like the um my kind of take on it is the king is a you know, he's a military leader, so he's kind of very focused on reasoning and kind of strategy for winning something. So I believe he like injected that own kind of belief into his theory of what happened. That makes sense to me. Well I, Yeah. Um also, one thing I want uh, that we haven't pointed out yet is that uh, this entire this entire time, well, pretty much until the end of the movie, you get the uh, nameless is he is surgically precise within ten paces. That means he could stab you without. They say like he, he could, you know, stab you without touching any vital organs. Like you'd be able to actually survive. Um, and, yeah, that's what's revealed in the third flashback. Yeah, and one of the things that is because, like, we're talking because uh, you know, broken sword and flying snow. They were talking about like we don't know which one should take the fall for this because he needs to get yeah. within ten paces. If they just need yeah. one, so flying snow yeah. tries to do a surgical strike to not hit anything uh, on um with her sword with a uh, broken sword. So he tries. So she tries to like wound him in a way that he wouldn't be able to fight, but also still live. But that just doesn't work. And it's one of the things that is repeated multiple times. But I fear feel I fear that I made the wound too deep. It's something yeah. that that is repeated. So like I think three or four times. Um, and that yeah. one stuck out to me. This, yeah. this viewing, because it's this. There's this intention. That is, there's this intention that you, and you know what to do, but you still failed in a way, which is, uh, which yeah. is kind of a, also a thing that seems to break into, seems to also, uh, tie into the whole 10 being like the beginning and also the end that we, uh, mm-hmm. that we just discovered before, <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um oh one thing one thing actually I just it just sprang to mind um in the it happens again in the white scene but in the blue scene um the you notice that broken swords clothes and um flying snow's clothes are two different colors they're very similar colors but they're different colors mm. and the way that um uh flying snow rips her clothes to kind of tie around um broken sword's wound i think it's very representative of kind of like being a part of her staying with him even after she dies mm. um because it happens again in the white scene but it's moon who does that this time um i don't know if there's kind of i'm not quite sure of the significance of that to me at the moment but definitely in the blue scene it's just so it's very noticeable to me because they are two slightly different colors so it does stick out and he keeps it on him for the entirety of um while he's alive in the blue scene um even after she's died he kind of keeps it around himself even after i'm sure the um the the wound does yeah. yeah So it's kind of like, you know, he's 
keeping a part of her with him for as long as he remains alive. Yeah. Oh, this is the goofiest fight in the movie coming up here. Mm. I I wasn't really vibing with this scene, but uh, the Emperor basically says, um, then you you and Broken Sword fought because of, uh, you know, he has to, he's honor bound because you killed his lover, He but neither of you were like really into it. Uh, it was just kind of like a thing you had to do. So now we're going to go see... Uh, oh, he, he says with uh, Sky, it was a battle in the mind, but this was a battle in the heart. But it's the same idea, uh, I think. Oh, no, they actually do fight, never mind, because mm-hmm. the water splash. But yeah, they're, it's just a very slow fight where they're dancing on water. It, and then they keep on doing this thing where they dive into the water with their sword and bounce up, and I don't really get it, and it looks very silly. That was, that, that was kind of goofy, yeah. That yeah. was just kind of like, it cl- zoomed in really intensely on like the sword kind of dipping into the water, and yeah, it's I like, I don't get all that right. one. <laughs> like, parts of it, parts of it, I, I do like. <laughs> this part right here is very bad, where it looks like they're on a trampoline. <laughs> yeah. So parts of it I do like because first off it does remind me of Naruto. Um, again, and they, cause they're doing the, uh, cause both of them learned how to do that chi te- uh, well that chakra technique where you coat it on your feet and you could, you could walk on water or run or jump on water. Um, yeah. And, and, and like they just, parts of it are very interesting cause like what they, cause they, they zoom in on like the water and you get like these really gorgeous drops just like, Cinema, yeah. uh, cinematography of just water dropping and stuff, but it's a very silly fight that we may visit a couple <laughs> of times. It's, yeah, it's yeah, incredibly goofy. I mean, with water again, now, it's a mess. Like visually, it looks gorgeous. I love yeah. the blues and kind of how clear the water looks and this yeah, whole the kind of like beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it looks beautiful and the um the the little kind of hut that her um that flying like, gazebo falling, flying snow. Because yeah, the um the the burial gazebo, (laughs) (laughs) you know that looks just really pretty, and it's kind of I did wonder how they got because it was kind of just there. There wasn't like a a path up to it, so I was kind of in the fight. I think it's because I wasn't impressed by the fight. I was thinking about how they got to the gazebo in the first place, and I was like, is it a boat? Water walking. Did he? Did he swim? No, no, no. They, oh, they, he can run on water. No, they learned the chakra technique to walk on water. They're Jesus. This, this is a nice <laughs> effect, though. Uh, he so they were fighting, and a drop of water fell on uh, Flying Snow's body. So Broken Sword runs over, and Nameless charges after him, thinking he's got an opening. But then he sees what he's doing, so he pulls up at which, last minute, um, which causes him to stumble and almost fall in the water. So he recovers, but water splashes on his face. And that takes the place of his tears. Yeah. Well, also, this is a silly part that just took me out of the movie for, I think, a couple of minutes. Like, he falls towards the water. And you know you do the thing where you try to catch yourself. But he does that with the water, and it dips in a little bit. And he just kind of bounces back up like it was just, like, a trampoline. And I was just like, that's silly. That's really silly. It was because he's so... like it's because he's so dummy thick that it kind of like took the shock of the um the fall and just bounced him back up. Oh, it's basic physics, Jesse. Yeah, I forgot when you're when you're dummy thick, you could. A lot of things don't apply I'm to you anymore. To... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to assassinate true. the king of Jean, but I'm so dummy thick. My killing intent alerts him where, uh, to my purpose. <laughs> the cl- the clap of my killing intent. <laughs> Yeah. 
and this part I'm a little fuzzy <laughs> on because I was because this is when Road messaged me being like, "Yo, this this shit ain't working," and I kind of <laughs> looked away. A little bit. Oh, I yeah. apologize for that. Um, this is just the emperor. Ex- <laughs> this is just the emperor explaining why he has broken sword, sword, which was uh. And this version, Moon rides up and says, uh, here's his sword. He's given it to me to give to you because just like how <laughs> Falling Snow and him will never be apart, neither shall our swords. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was very, it was very poetic and, and fun. I think. And I mean, not fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, touching. Just like, yo, our swords will mm-hmm. never be apart. So I think it was kind of underwhelming, though, because it's kind of like, oh, yeah, he's dead. He killed himself. You know, you're not going to see it. Um, but you're gonna have to trust me on this. Okay, thanks, uh, Moon. See, that feels like, that feels like part one of when you know you're gonna trick a dummy into being killed later. Like, it's just like, yeah, he totally <laughs> killed himself. You know, the person you said is your equal person who could surgically kill someone within ten paces? Huh, he's dead. 100% dead. Did you see him kill himself? No. But he's dead. Nope. Trust me, pretty much took care of itself. Nothing to worry about. Please don't go looking for him. Is this pretty much the last one? Uh, last yeah, part? we're about to the head into the final. Yeah. Um, he's explaining, or Nameless is explaining his backstory, how he's actually from Zhao, but he was orphaned and taken in by a family in uh, Chin. And then 10 years ago, he found out his origins and started studying this killing technique, basically, so he could take kind his revenge. Kind of fucked up how he... Kind of fucked up how his um, adoptive family never gave him a name. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, Name, names are hard sometimes. I mean, uh, I was gonna be real sad, but I decided not to. <laughs> Never mind. Please, please, let's move on. Now, I kind of want to know what you're thinking now. Oh, kind of like how my mom, uh, instead of, like, really changing my name, because my mom really wanted, like, a girl, like, really badly, oh. and she told this to my face, so I'm not just, like, being like Jordan Peterson and being like, oh, women suck, like, she told me to my face, she didn't like that I wasn't a girl, so it's, so instead of, so it's, because I, I was supposed to be named Jessica, so she just made a Jesse. I mean, it suits you, it's a good name. I, I hate it. But also, she said to my oh. face that she did not want a boy. She didn't really want it a boy. Yeah, that's a little rough. I know. It's sad. That's mm. why I didn't want to bring it up. Well, if it makes you feel any better, my brother kind of got a second-hand name. Um, he, I was, if I was a boy, I was definitely supposed to be called Aiden. And oh, my mum just couldn't be bothered to think of a new name. So, so I have a question. She's just like, yeah, fuck it. I have a question. So that Aiden energy obviously rubbed off, even though you didn't get the name. Is your is your uh is your brother a uh a, a, like an emo kid? Yeah. <laughs> so so really an so, e-boy. so so <laughs> I don't even want to refer to my brother in e-boy, but yeah. So because like because the name <laughs> Aiden because the name Aiden you could only do two things with that, and that's either being e-boy or emo. And I feel like the emo part ripped off on you. How dare you? <laughs> for your record, for the record, I was emo first. When I was emo, he was still in this Kanye West phase. <laughs> but I, uh, oh wait, did he listen? Did you listen to the band Aiden? 
I didn't even know there was a band. Well, I did know there was a band called Aiden, but I've never listened to it. I have. The only time I've seen it referenced is um, when I was watching um, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure kind of abridged series. Oh, yeah, (laughs) someone made that, huh? It was referenced then. Well, I let me just tell you, Aiden, pretty good emo band. And by pretty good, I mean not good enough to be remembered by most people. But I listened to it, and I liked it. Well. <laughs> Was this well, going to betray you? you no. Know, I don't know who that is either. Well, I looks like you. Was. Looks like you were a younger emo than I was. So, boo. Yeah, well, how many years older are you than me? Uh, I think 50. I think I'm 50 years older than you. I'm, I'm still yeah, in my well, 80s yeah. right now. Slowly, uh, succumbing to the, the passage of time, huh? Yep, yep, slowly. Okay, let's get to the third one. The third thing here. Uh, the white flashback. Yep. So, I mean, it's, they're planning, uh, there's just the major change here is instead of the, he has a super swift strike that can kill from 10 feet, it's, he has that, but also it's like super precise. So he can use that to stab them without killing them, but make it look like he killed them. Whereas the Emperor thought he just killed them. Yeah. And he mentions that, um... What's it? Um... Uh, Sky kind of just made a full recovery. He's fine. Yeah. But he never, like, appears or gets mentioned at all no. from then on out. Listen, Donnie Yen is expensive. I like to imagine he's just kind of like... I like to imagine that he's just kind of like hanging out at the um the the checker place, and he's like, "Yeah, um, bet you thought you saw the last of me, a la um, American Horror Story Coven." Oh yes, surprise, bitch! And they're like, "So, uh, what the hell? yeah, what's what's happening here is uh, we've learned that they had a chance to assassinate the king some years back when they infiltrated the palace, and then." Uh, Broken Sword didn't go through with it, and now Broken Sword's convinced that the king has to live, and he's going to do everything in the power to stop this assassination attempt if they leave him alone. So Flying Snow's like, well, I'm going to fight you. Hey, Nameless, help me, and we can stop him, because he's stronger than either of us, but together we can do it. And they do, and she stabs him. And now Moon is fighting Nameless, and Nameless is about to clown on her super hard. Yeah, and, and if this is if this is cl- like they might as well have put Moon and Clown makeup because like Nameless just fucking wrecks her. Yeah. Uh, like at one point, like she goes to stab him, and what he does is he blocks the sword with the hole in his sword, and then rips it out of his oh, that arms. Is, that is such a good part. Oh like, my god, it's so good. I was like yelling at the screen. Uh, during that whole kind of fight sequence, it was so so cool. It was it was so good because like after he ripped the sword out of her hands, he just points the, her his sword at her neck. It was just like, why the fuck you even try? Why did yeah. you try? And when <laughs> she still won't so quit, cool. he starts hitting her with the flat of his sword. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's so great because it's like that is like an insult. Yeah. It feels like an insult to me anyway. Just like, it's like, I don't even feel like you're good enough to kill in this one hit. I'm just going to so, hit you yeah, with the flat of my sword. Yeah, I'm you because you're so... Yeah, yeah it's just demonstrating I-, I could have killed you here, here, and here, but I have chosen not to. It's pretty demeaning. Yeah, and it's it's just, oh man, this is just... 
man, if they just put a cloud, put her in cloud makeup and then put her the da 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 at the end, it just would have been the same scene. <laughs> when she crushes into the, uh, the wall of scrolls, you just hear, like, the squeak of her clown nose. <laughs> Someone please edit that. That's pretty good. <laughs> Ah, uh, so uh, but it's kind of very much like the um the student has, is not ever going to surpass the master because like she's too she's too she's too up in her feelings, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why she has so far to go. Yeah. Um. Now this part I'm also fuzzy on because this was part of the ongoing saga of trying to get Rune to somehow see this movie. <laughs> I apologize, I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh, so, she told uh, her, like, manservant or whatever uh, to follow Nameless to Chin and report back if it works or not, using a red flag if it did work, and a yellow flag if it did not. Uh, I mean, I don't think anything else really happens here. He stabs her, it's fine, everyone's alive. Yeah, yeah. until they're not. Yeah. I can't quite remember why they're dead at the end, but they do die. Well, a uh, broken sword, a broken sword, kind of confronts them, c- confronts uh, Nameless before he goes, and um, he kind of goes into a flashback that's uh like a mint green, I'd say. Oh, is this where the green flashback is? Okay. Yeah, and you get, and yeah, you, get, right. you get, and this is like the most anime, I think, out of all of them, cause it's, it's their, it's showing their, um, it's showing the assassination attempt on the king the first time. Mm. Oh, it's so cool. And, like, and, so visually, like, delicious. And, and, uh, Broken Sword, who uses basically like, it looks like he has like a substantial, more substantial sword as well. It looks almost like a broken European sword. Yeah, it's very kind of like solid. Yeah, but it's, um, I will. That is, it's very different from every other sword that's used in the uh, film, and it's, it is really quite unusual because it's so stylistically different, and like the way that it is, um, you know, how solid and how kind of, I guess, thick the blade is, is really not typical in like um, like Asian swords at all. Also. Yeah. Also, it's broken. And like... Yeah, uh, I mean... <laughs> very astute observation. <laughs> well, I don't think we've actually said that Broken Sword actually uses a broken sword. Yeah. He's Fair the only, enough, yeah. He's the only one who has like a literal name to his like assassin name. Everyone else is like, Snow, yeah. Sky, Broken Sword. And he's holding a broken sword. Uh, but, but, uh, but, what like, was he called before he got that sword? He was I mean, he was sword. like also a nameless. He was <laughs> he was also like a nameless wanderer. He said, so I guess he just didn't have a name. And so it was like, well, if I'm going to use this, I guess I'll just be broken sword. But here's here's know. the silly. I think here's the actual <laughs> silliest part though, because it shows that they're they're like running and like they have the guards and both broken sword and sky are slicing through shields and weapons. Well, yeah, and through people. That's what happens when you become that powerful of a swords person. But like, but like the, but like I don't think they did a great job on the prop work on that because they didn't make the inside of the shields look like solid. So this is, they just yeah, kind of look looks, like um, kind of it kind of looks like when you slice through a mushroom. 
Yeah, it's foam. I mean, you can tell they yeah. have foam. And, and, like, I understand, but, like, they did so much color correction for everything else. Why didn't they just do it for the for the weapons and stuff? <laughs> but, like, but, like yeah, but they're basically just, just slicing those... through people. And... Yeah, uh, canonically, they took on a thousand guards in their first attempt to assassinate the Emperor. Oh, oh, Which no, is no. why they're so feared. This is a Dynasty Warriors. This is a Dynasty Warriors episode, uh, uh, game. Yeah. Level. I mean, yeah. And they're just, they're just swinging their sword and taking out like six people at a time. And they have to, and they have to take over an area long enough so they can open up the gate for the, for the king. Right, right, of course. Uh, then Broken Sword gets into the chamber, which I'm gonna say this. I understand having decorations. Maybe don't have like hundreds of like cloth hang, like going down, uh, hanging from the ceiling in your throne room when you might be assassinated. It was so easy for Broken Sword to just hide. I mean, even yeah, I from mean- like, even if you take out the fact that you might be assassinated, just from like a practical point of view, you're going to get tangled in those so much. Alright, like, listen, you're both trip of you. Into it and take the whole thing He's down. a king, so he can have ornate decorations if he wants. Also, he thought having like a thousand soldiers in his capital would be enough because he wasn't expecting super soldiers to come and cut through everyone. Okay, that's okay. why but in his updated here's... that's why in his updated palace he doesn't have any more curtains because of this scene. Okay, okay. First off, first off, Daniel. Yeah. You know what? I the first part I will say to you: having a thousand soldiers should be plenty. To keep out most people, right. but here's here's my here's my rebuke. I feel mm-hmm. like if you want to have the ornate stuff, have it on the wall so you can mm-hmm. still have people in your fucking area if you want to have them, so you can see them. Like it nah. makes no sense to have like a court, like a court king's court that you won't be able to see half the people because you have like gigantic pieces of fabric laying down, like hanging down. No, nah, it's a flex. It's a flex. You're like, I don't have to see you. I'm the king. The thing is, like, they're so they're they're not even like decorated or something. It's just like green silk. What what mint green? Yeah, silk's expensive. It looks very. Well, I wouldn't say it's mint green. It's more spring green. But go on. (laughs) More spring green. This you sound like road. (laughs) But anyway, like it. I think. You know, it doesn't make sense to me, especially judging, like, um, in feudal China before it all got kind of merged into one. It was very much heavy on the, like, the decoration and stuff. So having, like, really stark lime spring green, um, tapestry just kind of out of nowhere against you, especially if there's no other kind of like suggestion of like that color within the film, it seems very out of nowhere from a cinematography point of view. Well, this uh, this uh, mm-hmm. but this is a flashback within a flashback, which I'm always a fan of. Mm. Right. Yep. Yeah. And after after this, we pretty much cut to reality, right? I don't think there's anything after this, is there? Hi, uh, we did a brief cut, um, and Roan unfortunately had to leave for personal reasons, but Jesse and I are still here. I've reabsorbed the goo. I'm now back to two-thirds of your hosts. Let's finish this movie. Yep. 
So this is pretty much the the end of the movie, which I felt was actually a little drawn yeah. out for as, as poetic. And a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um. So you know, at the end. Like yeah, this the, is the, uh, this is Broken Sword's last attempt to convince Nameless not to go with the, through with this plan. So they're like in this big desert area, and he's doing calligraphy with his sword in the sand, um, to kind of express his inner being. Really, he's like, "This is my ideal. These these are like these words reflect what's in my heart." Is what he says. Yeah, um, and he writes. Oh, go ahead. Oh, a. He does, uh, uh, one thing we didn't mention is the, is the, the calligraphy that a broken sword does in each one basically shows up. It's, it was on a big scroll that was unrolled. Right. Yeah. Um, for, uh, behind, um, the, the emperor. The and you're king. seeing it the entire time basically yeah. after, after the yeah. red flashback. The red flash, yeah. And I think something, and so, so yeah, after, after this, um, you, you come kind of cut, cut back to reality. You know, it's all gray tones and blacks. Oh, there goes gravity. <laughs> Oops, there goes gravity. Yep. Uh, and, and the emperor kind of turns around and looks at the calligraphy and he, I, I forget exactly what he says here, but yeah, he says, so, um, Basically, Nameless explains that uh, Broken Sword had written down our land, and it kind of expresses that uh, there's constant war because there are six kingdoms, and the Chin Emperor's really the only one with the might to conquer the other kingdoms and bring peace to the land. This is the part I didn't I like. Uh, do you yeah, want to get into? It's, it's do you so want to get weird. into our feelings about this? Maybe after. <laughs> But. Yeah, we can we can do that in the roundup at the end. But yeah, so that actually moves the emperor, and he basically says, uh, because I've been able to confront Broken Swords like deep philosophical, uh, philosophical, wow, philosophical like thoughts and like his high esteem of me or whatever, and that he actually truly saw what I wanted. Yeah, that was the other thing is like this was actually the king's ideal as well. But no one else understands. They all just think he's a tyrant. Um, so after all that, he says, uh, he's been like moved and he's like, I don't fear death. So if you're here to kill me, that's fine. And then he studies the scroll and comes to some more revelations about life or whatever. Yeah. And it's, uh, and the entire time he's like turned around, he's just like, Hey, yo, hey, if you're going to kill me, you know, might as well do it now yeah. while I'm having this epiphany. Yeah, basically. And yeah, he actually he he asked how how were you planning to kill me without a sword? And Nameless says I was planning on taking yours. So he fucking throws his sword to Nameless and is like sticking straight out of the table. And he's turned around to go look at the scroll. And this is uh, when he don't care no more. And this is <laughs> when uh this is when Nameless uh Durudo skateboards like slowly towards yeah. him and yeah and you and you think oh he's dead cuz he has a shocked face on his back and he right. says this decision i make will kill many but it's what's yeah, needed they basically make it, yeah and yeah they make it look like he went through with it and and guess what everyone he didn't kill him he he was yep. it was the it was the hilt of his blade yeah spoilers for the uh Entirety of Chinese history, I guess, but the, the Qin Dynasty does manage to unite China. That is what historically happens. 
So, uh, sorry to spoil that for y'all. But... Yeah. Spoiler for literally hundreds of years of history. Uh, thousands. Thousands. Even. But, uh, but yeah, so, so he pretty much just kind of, like the, the emperor's just like, whoa, what a cool dude. This is a really yeah. cool dude. But, but like, but then he realizes like, yo, I have to die now because I guess I plan to assassinate you. Yeah. The assassin, assassin you. Um, and oh, yeah. So, so the, sorry, the, the revelation he got from seeing the calligraphy of sword was like, there are like different levels to, to being a swordsman. And then the ultimate level revealed to the calligraphy is the swordsman who no longer needs the sword because he no longer needs to fight because he is at peace with himself. And that's kind of implied that's the level Nameless reaches at the end here as he calmly walks out to his death. And, and me being an infantile Westerner who doesn't understand whatever language that was. I'm going to guess Mandarin, Mandarin. But, yeah, it's in Mandarin. But it looks almost like it says ass a couple of times. It has like a, something that looks like an <laughs> A and S then a couple. So. Oh, to, sorry, to clarify, um, Chinese written language is, unified uh, across like everyone writes the same basically um they just speak those words differently when they read them so it's not written in mandarin quote unquote because there is no writing in mandarin it's just chinese yeah and then it's like mandarin and then there's like cantonese and then i think those are like there's two main things two main ones those are the two biggest ones but there's like hundreds of regional dialects uh, and you talk, people from Beijing speak differently from Shanghai, speak differently from Fujian, etc. And also, it's very it's a tonal language as well. So there's also mm-hmm. a whole bunch of that as well, which is why it's really hard for Westerners to learn Chinese a lot of times because yeah. we do not do tonal stuff most. Nope. So and so if your ear and your tongue haven't been trained for it, it's hard to pick up. Yeah. There's, it's like, their, their minor differences can literally mean you're insulting someone to just like asking politely. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is and isn't that deep. Like, people will understand what you're saying through context if you fuck up, but like, yeah, you can mispronounce things and people will know. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, so this is the part of the movie that always sticks out of my head as well. Um, mm-hmm. so. Nameless kind of walks out and he's surrounded by thousands of soldiers and he gets yeah. to the door and everyone's uh, chanting. He tried to assassinate the, tried to assassinate the Oh yeah, the all king. the like, the bur- bureaucrats uh, in the kingdom are surrounded by that king and they're like, permission to execute him, permission to execute him. They're like chanting this in, in one voice. Um, he tried to assassinate the king. You must, you know, go through with the law and kill him. Oh, there's also this scene here with uh, Broken Sword and uh, Falling Snow, where the servant she sent came back with the flag that says, Nameless didn't succeed. And so she confronts Broken Sword and is like, he got within 10 feet, there's no way he could have failed, unless you managed to convince him not to do it. So, fuck you, how could you do this to us? And now they're gonna fight, and she kills him. And then herself. And actually, um, in Chinese... Uh, color symbolism white is associated with death so i don't know if the final flashback being in white was foreshadowing because they all die (laughs) yeah which um also in china in in china 
and I'm I think in some other Asianic countries as well, uh, the color white is seen more as a the color of death. Like it is, uh, it's supposed to represent like the right shrouds, shrouds and stuff that the dead wear yeah. at funerals and stuff. So the cultural significance of the last one being the last flashback being everyone's roaring white is because everyone's everyone was dying. It was that was the end for them. That was the end of their story. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so then she does this big dramatic dive at him, and he drops his sword at the last second instead of blocking her blow. And she delivers a lethal blow by accident, kind of, sort of. And she's like, why didn't you block? And he's like, to prove that I love you, or whatever. It's very dramatic, very star-crossed lovers. I mean, it's cute. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you get, uh, I feel, is this is the part that I feel is definitely drawn out. Uh, nameless uh, is walking yeah. for what yeah. seems like two or three minutes, probably. Yeah. And he gets to the door, to the to palace doors, and he stops, and he kind of like turns around to all the soldiers, and the 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 king very distraughtly is just like, I guess I gotta kill him. I got I gotta do it to him, and he did it yep. to him by <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, by basically unleashing, you know, like a thousand arrows to this one person. Yeah. It most of them missed, by the way. Yeah, that was a I waste mean, of arrows. Well, it's not really a waste. They can pick them back up, but it was excessive. I will give you that. It was, this, <laughs> but but so but like it kind of cuts. Like you see the arrows come towards him, and then yeah. it kind of cuts to where like all the arrows landing into the to wooden gates, and you yeah. see like a cutout of a person. Basically, yeah, so basically, yeah. he was just riddled with arrows. Yeah. Also, sorry. Brief jump back to uh, when Falling Snow kills herself with a uh, broken sword. It's very dramatic because they're on top of a literal like mountain plateau, but they also intercut it with shots of Moon riding up to try to like stop her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. So when you think about it, it, like when you're watching, it's very dramatic. And emotional, but when you stop and think about the logistics of it, it's very funny. Because <laughs> they do wide shots. You can see they're on top of a literal mountain, and she's, like, on the ground running and screaming. But, like, they're, like, a mile up in the air. It's it's, it's just, like, uh, it's like I'm the, coming. the way the shots are framed, it looks like she's maybe, you know, 50 feet from them on the same level. But then they do a wide shot. You can tell they're on a mountain. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good uh dude it is it's actually very funny now that i'm thinking about it yeah no they're like on a mountain mountain it's not a hill it's a mountain mountain uh, but uh you yeah, know then the movie you know gets shot and the movie ends with some words uh it says uh nameless warrior executed assassin buried as a hero then something about China, uh, call it the, when the Chinese people call their country, they still call it our land. I don't think they do, but okay, all right, go okay. off. So, so we're pretty much at the wrap up here. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, the movie. So, so first off, it's a, it's a good movie. I would honestly suggest it to anyone yeah, who'd want to watch yeah. it. Um, it would have been really easy to watch if Netflix didn't take it off and the only place you yeah. can get it is, is through renting. Um, yeah. Like, it was very available before. Very available. Yeah, I think it was even on, on Prime. Car, huh? 
before. Damn. For f- yeah. But, but um, I have two points. Uh, okay. Two points I want to make. First off, do you think that the reason why this movie had so much care put into it is because it's supposed to be Chinese propaganda because it feels like it? No, yeah, I think that's correct. It I do feels think like Chinese propaganda. propaganda. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a propaganda film. It's really good, and and honestly, but it feels like a Chinese propaganda film because you can tell when China is trying to put something out that's mainstream for like Americans and and Westerners to like. And there's like a certain when it has a certain sheen when they go out of their way to explain stuff, you can kind of yeah. pick it out as you can pick it out as as Chinese propaganda, yeah. like because China I mean, it's, has been it's, uh, finish what your thought. China has been kind of doing Chinese propaganda to make Americans like you know get in their good, good get in the good graces of Americans for a very long time. Yeah, so it's just this feels very much like Chinese propaganda, almost like how uh like Space Jam feels like Michael Jordan propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but here's the other thing that I want to point out that I think that we both can talk a little bit about because both of us are yeah. are fairly left. In our beliefs. Um, The whole thing that Broken Sword said, that, like, we need this strong man to bring us together so we can, you know, truly become one people. Does that sound like something that you hear from certain people that may be causing a lot of issues right now? Uh, I think the word is fascism? Is that the right word? Yeah. Uh, it feels very fast, because he's literally laying out strongman theory, or Fuhrer theory, yeah. if you're German. <laughs> it's um, not great. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'd classify this as explicitly fascist, but it definitely is leaning it's, in that direction. Tr- it's not good. It's just like, because like, it's just like, hey, we need... This this one man who has a singular vision to bring together all these people under his mm. idea of what this country should be. Yeah, it's, it's very like it's a great. Mm, it's it's looking back at at an imperial age in a very rosy way. <laughs> and and that's also part of the reason why I think it might be propaganda as well because like it would be hard because like even though. Um, America, uh, even though America is barely a democracy, it's more of an oligarchy, a corporate oligarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you still can't really get away with saying, well, you couldn't get away for a long time that we need this one person to, to make everyone believe the same thing and, and write the same way and be, be under one rule without it sounding like a little fucky. Yeah. Um, but the way that they phrased it, they in this really good poetic movie, it feels unsettling, and like they're kind of justifying certain things about themselves, which is also why I think it might be Chinese propaganda film trying to make it, you know, China seem better. Yeah, no, and, it's very. I, it, I think it is propaganda. It's very much trying to uh, paint China in this uh, very like romanticizing its history. Uh, coming together as a country, coming together as, you know, China, this big, powerful country, and, like, how great and good that is. 
And I think it is also directed at Western audiences to be kind of like, look at our rich history and how we, we came together or whatever. But, I mean, it's a very pretty movie. It's better than American propaganda. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you also, I mean, another thing, sorry, to point out more the yeah. propaganda niche part of it is you have that like really rosy part at the end. It's like still to this day when, when the Chinese people refer to China, they call it our land. Like it's kind of like it's almost like trying to say like, Hey, we have a lot. We also believe in our, our, our nation a lot. Like it's, that's how patriotic we are. Yeah. And I feel Let- like you guys can understand this, right? Right? Yeah, let, let, let's address that, because I actually looked up uh, Hero on Wikipedia, and they actually have a section for this part. So, what they actually say in the movie is he says the words Tiansha, which uh, literally translates to under heaven, but uh, I guess can more metaphorically refer to just, like, all things under heaven, a.k.a. the world. Um, and then I guess... In American localization, they changed it to our land, which seems to imply the nation of China instead of the whole world. Um, it says, let's, let me see here. Zhang Yimou was asked about the change at a screening in Massachusetts and said it was a problem of translation. If you ask me, our land is a good translation. I can't tell you. All translations are handicapped. Every word has different meanings in different cultures. Uh, so. Maybe it wasn't as propagandic at first when, when it was created and it became more propagandic, uh, propagandic when localized for Americans. I don't know. I uh, mean, that's, I wouldn't be surprised if they thought if they made it more, if they, if they made the propaganda even more propagandistic for Americans mm-hmm. that they thought that'd be okay. Cause it's how you get us, honestly. Yeah. We are very successful with propaganda. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone refer to China as Tiansha before, but I mean, the, chi- uh, the Mandarin for the country of China is, uh, Zhongguo, which translates to the Middle Kingdom, uh, and that's in reference to above us there is heaven and below us there is the rest of the world. So, uh, kind of a similar sentiment, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I don't know. Those are my two concerns. Cause like, honestly, I didn't really get those readings when I was, when I watched it when I was a little bit younger before I was a little bit more politically minded. But yeah. they, it stuck out really hard. Like this time. Like. Oh, I guess the director maintains that he had absolutely no political points to make, but. <laughs> uh, you kind of, you kind of just told everyone that it's, it's best to just. You know, have a really strong person, like, you know, rule you after an assassin had a perfectly, I think, justifiable reason to kill him. It's hard for me to, like, be hypercritical, I guess, of this, because it's, to, to me, it's, like, no worse than a lot of American films that do very similar things for America, so, like... I get it, and the movie itself is good, so, like, I acknowledge the slant they're doing, but I'm still gonna watch this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. But uh, that, speaking of that, you know how, like, um, you know, like, I'm just putting it here because I don't have any other place to put it. But, uh, so I watched Shin Godzilla. I know I'm moving over a completely different 
mm-hmm. country. Yeah. But I watched Shin Godzilla, and they had a uh, they had an actress who was supposed to be American, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, that she does not act American at all. It barely like when she speaks English, she obviously doesn't speak like that good of English. And then I remembered mm. this is probably what every other ethnicity and, and country thinks when they see <laughs> one of their characters in American movie. Cause the entire time I'm just like, she's supposed to be the daughter of a Senator. Yeah. Of a, a Senator. She's supposed to be like half Japanese and live most of her life in America. And I'm just like, uh-huh. this is not an American person. She's way more Japanese than anything. Like she's acting almost <laughs> exactly. The ones that trip me out, the, the ones that trip me out is, uh, sometimes I feel like watching a Japanese drama and they'll just be a white person who's like a teacher or something. And it's uh, someone who speaks like fluent Japanese and they don't address that it's a white person. They're just there. They just hired like a white person who speaks Japanese for that role. Oh, uh, did like, you, hey. <laughs> did you watch the, uh, did you watch the Lupin Razor, uh, Lupin Ranger versus, um, I, I have not actually Ranger. watched that. So the, no. uh, so the, the Zordon, quote unquote, like the, the leader right, of the, uh, mentor, yeah. the Pato Rangers, uh, the, yeah. or the cops, which you should not like because they're cops. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, it's, it's just a black dude who's named like Jefferson something. Oh, cool. And it's just like, they don't mention it or anything. It's just like really weird not seeing yeah. like, seeing like another, like seeing a person of color. Like, yeah. of, at all. It, it, cause like, cause like, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, here's one of the things I, I like living in America. I think there is at least some expectation of some, I don't know, some diversity, even if it's like very tokenized, there's some yeah. expectation of it. Yeah. That's not true for a lot of places in the world, especially in a lot yeah. of Asian countries. They're very, yeah, I mean, uh, they're more, they're much more, uh, mono ethnic. Yeah, especially Japan uh, like, is like 99.9%. Yamato Japanese or something. Yeah, it, which is so, which is why it's so weird when you see like just a black dude be a main character in yeah. like a, <laughs> in like a Sentai. Cause like, first off, like, like if they, sh- like it's rare if they show like a white person and white people trans- trample all over Japan cause you know, the culture yeah. uh, all the time. And it's just, I don't know. That's one thing I want to point out. Also, Lupin Ranger, uh, that, but that series is fun. You have, uh, you have Thief Rangers and you have yeah. Cop Rangers. And the Thief Rangers yeah, just fucking, tr- <laughs> uh, just, they just tramp all over those, um, those Cop Rangers all the time. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Um, if yeah. I ever try to get back into Sentai, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. I only watched up until the mid-season. Where they had the, their sixth ranger, cause it's two ranger teams. Their sixth yeah. ranger is a, is a ranger that switches between gold, which is the thieves, and then silver, which is oh, the, that's uh, cool. the cops. Yeah. And they just switch back and forth. Which I'm gonna say, probably not a good person, cause if you're a thief that could get, <laughs> get in good with the cops, you're a, you're a narc, and you need to get out. Uh, also, yeah. sorry to, not, not to, I guess, put us back on track but one more thing i want to point out about this movie before we wrap up uh what was it i saw this uh the cinematography was a collaboration with an australian cinematographer christopher doyle uh the overall framing story the colors were chosen for their aesthetic reasons and not symbolic ones and the colors orange and pink were not considered as options 
as Doyle was dismissive of universal theories of color, such as those put forward by Italian cinematographer Vittorio Sotaro. He's wrong. So, there's <laughs> that. Joke. I see, I feel uh, like that's a lie. Yeah. Like, like why, I mean, like, why in the, like, why make the reality the one where everyone's in, like, uh, black and white? Like, pretty much universal, like, colors for, like, like, you know, endings and everything. Well, for, and for, and, well, black is a, a pretty universal color for ending for most cultures, most Western cultures, and then white for a lot of Asian cultures is also a sign of death or the end as well. Yeah. Like, it feels like a lie, but whatever. It feels super symbolic, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I feel like and, he's you know, wrong. yeah. Death, death of the author and all that, you can certainly still yeah. make many interpretations about color theory here that I think are still valid, even if he stumbled into them by accident. <laughs> yeah, maybe he doesn't believe it, but it's actually true, because he didn't think about it. I'm joking. He did a really good job. He did a good job. I don't know why I'm being antagonistic. <laughs> Say thank you to... Uh, actually, here, here's a fun game we can play. Um, so Miramax got the rights. This move came out in 2002 in China. Miramax got the distribution rights, um, but uh, they did not really do anything with that. They just had the rights until 2004, where uh, an intervention by Disney executives, government of China, and a filmmaker helped secure an English subtitle release. Do you want to guess who that filmmaker was? Okay, is it someone who worked with Miramax? Uh, I actually don't know if they worked Mm. with Miramax. See, okay, so, okay, so... Do you want to say quit uh, Tarantino? Do I want to say that? No. (laughs) Did I get it right? Yeah, it was Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Oh! Because this feels feels like a movie that Quentin Tarantino would just, like, fucking jerk off to. Yeah... Like it feels like it. Also, he also he's one of the reasons why Miramax like got off its feet and everything. Oh, I see. Like, um, like a lot of his movies were released through Miramax before he became oh, a see. larger name. That's why I asked if he was Miramax related. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I bet he but, got them off their feet. <laughs> uh, there it is. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, but no, this seems like a movie that uh, that Quentin Curtino would love. I mean, honestly, a lot of people should love this movie. It's really good, even yeah. though it's definitely propaganda. Because the Chinese yeah. government and Quentin Curtino, like, teaming up to say, like, hey, release this <laughs> in the West. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, a little bit. Uh, I think that just ties together the whole propaganda angle <laughs> that I that I latched onto. Yeah, no, this is definitely propaganda, but I mean, so are Marvel movies, so like, whatever. Yeah, well, they know Marvel, Marvel literally adds like extra scenes with more Chinese focus actors and stuff in it to make them sell more in China. Oh, yeah, no, the, the courting of the Chinese box office has been a very prevalent and growing trend the past 10 years. Uh, uh, shout out to when they put Fan Bingbing, one of like the most accomplished actors in Chinese cinema. Uh, as Blink and the X-Men for two whole lines because they wanted to sell more tickets in China. <laughs> also, so, so I know we're, we're, we're rounding out. I just want to ask you a question. It has almost nothing yeah. to do with it. Sure. But what do you think is going to get us? Do you, do you think we're going to get like a super shitty, um, corporate, dy- uh, cyberpunk dystopia before we die of, uh, of climate change or, or like right when we're dying of climate change? 
Um, I think we're already most of the way there. It's just, it's like, not the cool type that they showed us in fiction. There's no neon or leather coats or biohacking. It's just like, I don't know, Amazon tracks what you say through your phone to sell you shit online. It sucks. I mean, I mean, we're, we're most of the way there. I'm more, I'm more asking, can I just, can we get to the point where I could biohack and lop off my limbs? Oh. I just want to get to that point uh, before I die of global warming. Yeah. Uh, will we get to Blade Runner before we hit Mad Max is what you're that's, asking. That's it. I just, I want to hit Blade yeah. Runner before I get to Mad Max. That's I don't it. think we're going to hit Blade Runner. No, I don't. <sighs> I think See, we're in just, cyberpunk, but it's not cool cyberpunk like that. No, th- I need more neon and like very obvious orientalism. Uh, yeah, before. right. Like I need a little bit. Which we're almost. We're al- actually. You know what? I think the orientalism is like kind of here because it's actually okay to be a weeb now. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Shout out to uh, techno orientalism. It's a collection of essays you can buy on the internet that uh, literally focus on. Orientalism and how it interacts with sci-fi. Um, good and shit. also, also fun fact. Sorry, one more thing before I uh, leave. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, there's a book out which I do not remember. Um, I just listened to a um interview with this person, and he can pretty much draw a straight line between weebs and fascism. Uh, because that the whole reason, shock me. because the whole reason why we have a lot of the alt right we have right now. In the like the really hard right stuff and um in the U.S. and radicalizing, uh, radicalizing like children basically like young men, is yeah. is because of image board culture, a- and yeah. the reason why we have 4chan like at all is because of 2chan. Um, two yep. chan was like one of the first major uh image board boards that got super popular in Japan, and someone. Uh, someone thought it'd be okay to kind of spin off of that, spin, um, uh, something awful and 2chan into like one type of thing, which is yep, basically was, something awful plus weeps. Yeah. It, it was Chris Poole, aka Moot. I hear he's actually kind of an okay guy now. He sold 4chan back in like 2010. When, when the person who currently, who's currently trying to get, uh, 8chan part two up, um, Jim Watkins bought 2chan. Well, sorry, he didn't buy 2chan, he stole 2chan. And nice. uh the person who made 2chan then bought 4chan. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so basically basically weebs are the reason why you have fascism but we need to destroy weebs. So I yes. do not disagree with that sentiment. Yes. Okay, sorry. I just kind of yeah. you know, I thought I thought that would be somewhat of relevant somehow. Yeah. Not really. All right. Well, we've hit past the two-hour mark of this recording, so let's wrap this fucker up, because I'm gonna have to edit this, I think. Uh, so, uh, we don't really need to, like, do any recommendations. This is a special bonus episode. You can go to our regularly scheduled season two for that. So I guess we can just, uh, get out of here. You wanna uh, give us a sign-off, Jesse? Um, yeah, uh... When I look when I look at this calligraphy, I realize that we need to unite under this one person's vision. Uh, yeah, dope shit. All right, bye. bye.